Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. It's a great pleasure to welcome you to Health Matters Radio. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I'm happy to be in this call. Thank you. Good. Well, you've written such an interesting book and an important book, I think, uh, because the story that you tell, and I, I, as I mentioned to you at a, in, a, um, in an email I sent to you, I said that you, know, that you paint with a broad brush. Mm-hmm. And, we're, and with this book, you're not just talking about food, and you're talking about life. And yes. you're talking, and you're talking about um, uh, you 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 call it the reset diet. And of course, mm-hmm. for many of uh, many of our listeners, uh, they know they need that. They 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 know they can feel it in their bones that something hasn't been working for either a short time or a very long time, depending, of course. But for many people, the process of n- nourishment and receiving nourishment is one of considerable sort of trouble or some kind of discomfort of one sort or another or mm-hmm. the other, on, the, on the other side of that's a lot of blindness too and, and you you address so many parts of the issue in terms of the blindness in terms of the mm-hmm. unconsciousness and in terms of the cultural background so I, I, I love to st- I love the way you start your book with the story of I won't pronounce it correctly by by Rav the friend of your I know. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. So, so tell us about that. What, how that includes, how that figures in the, the very beginning of the story, if you would. Uh, you know, Bhairav. Uh, I see Bhairav, whom I knew in my childhood, as the very last remnant of an old way of being. He, ne- he never went to school. He was illiterate. Uh, he spoke his native language. Uh, he was one of the, uh, what they call Adivasi, the first people, the original people of the land. And uh, he knew about the medicinal herbs and how to use food as medicine. And uh, you can almost imagine him as a shaman. He was my father's friend, so he always he always visited us and I was amazed to see how he could address the day-to-day health complaint of people with using the herbs and asking them to modify their food intake and asking them to fast sometimes. So he was very effective in what he did, but he learned it by being out in the nature. He had that way of living one with the season, one with the nature, and eating what nature provided, hunting and gathering, basically. Mm-hmm. So that was my introduction 
to seeing that there is an other way of life. And it was still being practiced in India. I don't know if many more of those people are still around, but at least I had the good fortune of meeting one person. Right. Well, but on that, you 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 build uh, and you combine that with a with a, a wonderfully uh, gentle-hearted story of the way your mother presented food to the family, and also the way your family, as, as an entirety, as you as you dealt with the world with this. Uh, Earth person, you 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 spoke of that 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 there was a whole other way of presenting a meal. There was a whole other way of coming to the process of eating and mm -hmm. coming to the meaning of what the food was about. I don't know how exactly to ask you, but could is there sort of a sweep kind of a sweeping way that you can share with our listeners just a little touch of what some of that is about? Because I think that is. That is such a, a foundational part of your story. Yes. Uh, I consider it a great fortune that I had this experience in my childhood of uh, being raised in India, which was still innocent in those days. We didn't have the radio and the television and the cell phone and the beeper and all the bells and whistles. <laughs> we lived right. a simpler life. It was much simpler life. If we wanted a vegetable, mom would, would say, just go to the garden, bring what you need to eat, and I'll cook it for you. Uh -huh. It was at that level so simple. Then at the same time, uh, my parents, my mom and dad, they, they were very deep into Ayurveda. And Ayurveda is not just a medical science that deals with the nuts and bolts of health system. It is actually a very deeply spiritual process. Ayurveda itself is a very deeply spiritual subject. It recognizes that human beings are essentially spiritual beings and food is a nourishment for that spiritual being so that it can fulfill its purpose in life. So parents brought in spirituality in the harvest of food, in the cultivation of food, in cooking, in serving, in feeding, in every aspect of food, they brought in their own brand of spirituality, which was not like a $10 big words or anything, but in everyday action, they showed it. Now, all of our meals started with a little prayer, with a little offering to the cows, to the crows, to the guests. So it was all inclusive in that way. Guests were treated with generosity. Uh, cats and dogs in the neighborhood, they were treated with generosity. So it was a day-to-day -day brand of uh, approaching food with a spiritual bent. Now compare that to a restaurant eating, I'm watching it more and more as I travel. Suppose in a restaurant, there are six people sitting. They all have their cell phones on their lap or on their pocket. And it does the bing, 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 some kind of sounds and <laughs> alerts and vibrations. So people are together, but they are not together. They're eating, but they're eating mechanically. They're with you, but they're talking to somebody else on their cell phone. They're messaging or who knows what they're doing. Okay, so in the process of eating, the part of spiritual 
complete presence and connection with the food that is going missing every day mm -hmm. so i had to address that aspect in my book because it is essentially about food about correcting your inner physical environment by adjusting what you eat like what you how you reset your body and at the same time can you please pay attention to the fact that you are essentially a spiritual being and you can use food to nurture that being i did want to make that point in my book i'm glad you liked it ned thank well i have having been someone who's gone to monastery and sat with in a zen monastery and and received food with others and and there was always rituals and prayers that attended to the process of eating it was the first time that i'd been acquainted with the the wonderful nourishment that was potential with eating with others in a conscious way and mm -hmm. so what you did is reminded me of the the, the deep and literal joy of that um, mm -hmm. from from my own personal experience but it also reminded me as a medical practitioner huh. the 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 you know the the frequency of of issues that i've tried to be of assistance to my uh, my my clients and my cl patients when they have uh, digestive difficulties or they have di they have other difficulties which shows they're missing a connection and of course mm -hmm. what you do so effectively in this book for me is mm -hmm. you remind me of the one of, of, of the of the perhaps one of the most basic places we could start with a sense of being conscious that is with our eating so it's a to me it's a it's a it's a wonderful gift that you give your reader because mm -hmm. you you in, invite them into your home and to mm -hmm. your back into your history and you show them what is possible so yes so now you are also a homeopath and so yes for our listeners who may or may not know about that, maybe you could just say a few words about how homeopathy and the world of dietary behaviors as you offer them in this book, how do you mm -hmm. see those as overlapping? Uh, what happens is in homeopathic case taking, um, when a person comes to a homeopath, we just don't ask about what's your problem. Of course we do. But in the process of describing that problem, we always have questions about their lifestyle, their relationships, their stress level, their food uh, intake. Uh, you know, the whole picture, it's a holistic approach to well-being. So no aspect of an individual is left alone. We investigate everything. So in the process of case taking, often it becomes very clear in certain individuals there is a problematic connection with the food i'll give you one example ned in the very beginning of my practice a young girl like she was 27 28 something like that she came to my office and she wanted to see if homeopathy will help her with uh, chronic fatigue and some some chronic complaint in her body okay so we are talking and i'm uh, intending to be of help as a new practitioner and invariably the question goes to what she eats on a day to day basis so i'll just quickly read from a powerpoint okay sure. she has four 
four eggs in the morning with two slices of bread which has a thick layer of jam and butter she has deep fried bacon and about four cups of coffee then she snacks on <laughs> onion rings potato chips cookies corn chips with soft drinks at lunch she eats chicken breast either tuna or salmon sandwich with two cups of coffee then she likes a snack of cake and cookie or something with a cup of milkshake and for dinner she eats steak and lamb or pork or venison or turkey or seafood with creamed potatoes and for dessert she likes chocolate and ice cream <laughs> now this is grand she is very well fed but ask which of this food is actually helping her or making her sick okay so it became very clear to me when i saw heard what she was eating that her food is making her sick there is no mention of fruits there is no mention of vegetables or a drink of water it's coffee or fruit juice or coca cola whatever there is no water there is no vegetable there is no fruit so i had a conversation in my mind shall i tell her the truth or shall i just give her a remedy and send her home i did face this dilemma as a new practitioner um, she came to me for homeopathy she didn't come to me for any dietary consultation and i'm not a dietitian okay i'm not a nutritionist i'm just a good old homeopath so i said well my job is simple i can just give her a remedy and send home but then i remembered what the founder of homeopathy has said when there is a preventable cause for a problem you must always address that cause don't ignore it so i said well i'm going to tell her that so i spoke with her i said you know i can give you the remedy but your problem is not just receiving the remedy it is connected with your food intake if you are willing i can walk you through a healthier process and you just let me know if you want to continue to be on that path or not and she went i thought gee i lost that patient i she is not going to come back i she came to me for homeopathy and i'm telling her about diet so why would she come back a week later she was back i was surprised and secretly quite pleased and then we began a journey together i walked her through the process of educating her about the right approach to food and how to eat right for your nutrition and her whole scenario turned around and she became very healthy her problems went away so this client was my inspiration and ever since till now when in my practice i encounter a client whose problem has a direct connection with what they eat how they eat then i do tell them what is what mm -hmm. so actually this book is based on that experience of having tried a ayurvedic reset diet in the real world of people when they are not feeling well mm -hmm. and that is the experience i have consolidated and put in this book well it's 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 interesting how for those of us who practice and try to be of service 
when we're confronted as you were with this particular patient, and you know, we have our, in my case, I'm an oriental medical doctor, so I have acupuncture to mm -hmm. use and so on. And yeah. people mm -hmm. come to me and they want me to put needles in it to make it all go away. Yeah. <laughs> and when I, when I ask them, of course, the questions about the eating and what, huh. you know, how, how it is they're behaving with their food. And of course they, as exactly as your patient did, they sort of, well, you know, they, 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 they think I'm off, off, tar, off the message, you know, but, mm -hmm. but then when, when we start to straighten out with baby steps, the baby steps to, to work with their food issues, it's mm -hmm. simply amazing how much better everything kind of comes along. So I, I, I like you, uh -huh. uh, found that find the necessity, the utter necessity of providing healthcare services that in, is inclusive of a fairly careful look at what the dietary situation is. And yes. now you, you, you break down and you, you, you start uh, your book also with, I think, a very intelligent kind of preview of Europeans and coming to your area of the world in terms of India and the sort of mm -hmm. aggressiveness that, that is sort of endemic in the mm -hmm. cultural background of mm -hmm. the, the European colonization. And I think mm -hmm. you do a, a, quite a good job so give us, a, give our listeners a little bit of a taste of that and talk about how you see that as being kind of part of the cultural matrix that causes mm -hmm. people to eat, eat so poorly and to be so disconnected to their, to their mm -hmm. well-being and their, their, their good feelings of, of life. Yeah. Uh, so I did read a book um, by uh, Robert Lawler. And this book was about the Aborigine people in Australia. And Australia was pretty much left alone as a huge landmass where nobody had set foot until recent times. Okay. So when the European settlers, they, they went by the boat, they found this island. They also found a huge expanse of land with um, Aborigine people. And those people were still living according to the law of the land. They hunted and they gathered. So it is as recent as like 250 years ago. It's not that long ago. And there right. are written records and photographic records of those people's lives. So that kind of put things in perspective for me that up until the modern times, this was possible. But once the globalization commercialization and taking away somebody's country, uh -huh. just, just taking it from their hand and saying it is my country, okay? So when those kind of colonization practices started and mass movement of people and industrial production of food to keep all those people fed, that's where the link to the natural food and the link to the seasonality got broken. So I had to point this out in my book that not that long ago, we were able to live off the land as the Australian Aborigines did. But with modernization, we have to pay a price. Now, we are the sons and daughters of this movement. I am able to talk to, I am in another continent, another country, but I'm able to talk to only because of modernization and technology. If you didn't have that, how would you do your radio show? Okay. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we cannot 
we cannot completely deny the modernization and the conveniences it brings to us, but we have to use our logical, sensible, practical angle to figure out what can we use for making ourselves better. Better in our health, better in our behavior, better in our connection with each other and with the environment. So taking a little bit step back to a Ayurvedic way of connecting with food makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. It allows us the freedom to be in the now, to be present here. And at the same time, use the wisdom of older cultures in finding well-being for ourselves. That is what I have tried to bring out in my book, Ayurvedic Reset Diet. Well, and the the idea of a the nice it, it, the, I like the word reset because it it does sort of very simply talk about a very thoroughgoing uh, step. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're buying into a whole new way of everything, but you're doing a moment, you're doing a, a thing for a period of time to uh, address the the uh, the accumulations that have built up in the body, to address the strains and the stresses that 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 we've been living with, and you accomplish that in a, in a couple of different ways, or three different ways actually, the way you say it, fasting and and mono diet. And, and food selection. So I, I want to be sure that our listeners recognize that what uh, what Sala will show will share with us is the the outline of this these simple steps that 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 create a reset. And maybe you could describe as you as you do so effectively in the book what what the reset really means in terms of the physiology of the person that is going to practice this this reset. What what do you why are you doing it and what do you expect to be the outcome to be? Mm -hmm. You know, I love this word reset or reboot. Our computer starts crazy, acting crazy on us. We reboot. <laughs> right. Our cell phone starts going uh, crazy on us. We switch everything off and we start it again. So reset right. is a powerful word for the modern times. Okay. We, and it also conveys the idea that something, if it's not functioning well, you can put a stop to it, take a little break and start again. You always have an option of doing something positive and creative, no matter what hurdle you're facing. Okay. We have that option of doing something positive. So, all right. We eat all our life nonstop. We eat three meals and then we snack in between. And we also eat little treats here and there. Okay. So we are constantly eating. And in that regard, I don't find ourselves much different from cows grazing in the field because the cows and horses, I'm in Costa Rica, where I always see cows and horses grazing. They're constantly eating. So we are almost behaving like that but they have four stomachs and we have only one. How much can you eat? Can you go on and on? How long can you go on and on? So what happens is by constantly eating the wrong kind of food, our body begins to give, uh, it begins to talk back to us. 
we get this aches and pains and allergies and digestive upsets and various kind of chronic complaints set in obesity comes in diabetes and hypertension and cancer and so on there is no end to that list okay so our body starts to show symptoms in my book what i'm saying you notice that you don't have to panic you have an option of doing something right so start with fasting now i've laid it out fasting not on tea and coffee and coca cola you cannot do that fasting has to be on water <laughs> fasting <laughs> I, i get that you got my joke i got it uh -huh. so sure. um, yeah so fasting has to be on water because our body some tissues in our body for example lung tissue it's 83% water we cannot be alive without water so i go back to the basics fast on water fast on for a variation herbal tea with honey and once you've done it two days of fasting where you don't eat anything your system has cleared itself of accumulated uh, matter mm -hmm, from the digestive system now you allow your body to go to simple nutrition so in that that is the mono diet part of it which you can five days seven days and so on you select a simple food which you are allowed to eat as much as your stomach needs you can have it for meals as well as snacks but it is one type of simple food what that helps the body do is extract all the nutrients from that one food one food okay instead of having a competition with several other foods on your plate after well, that, 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 that excuse me that that's i, I kind of want to put a put a, a a big signal with that because i think that yeah. the what 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 you so effectively do for me is you remind the reader that that the the body's ability to extract nutrients and nourishment really uh, uh -huh. is is substantially benefited by this mono diet that you're suggesting as is the reset so that that the that the the uh, the build up that you that has brought your sore back and your 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 digestive problems and your headaches and so on that that backup can really make a difference if you just simplify the the way that your body receives nourishment and and you you very effectively do that for me so I'm I'm grateful for that and So, so so please please keep going and and I just wanted to highlight highlight that a little bit. Yeah. So what happens is people get terrified of if somebody tells them you know you have to change your way of eating and you have to stop eating. We are we are born to enjoy. We are born to be happy. And food is one source of happiness for us. And then suddenly somebody says you have to stop eating. That's not working for a lot of people. so it's not a crash diet that you need to go to and it's not the purpose is not to become a size zero you know a very slender very petite and that's not the purpose the purpose is to reset your inner mechanism of receiving the nutrients from your food so the mono diet allows you to do that without experiencing starvation it 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 won't you more you won't feel Oh my god I'm going to fall dead because I haven't eaten food. 
right. now you're going to you're going to get enough nutrition and also monodoid allows the body to tap into the hidden nutrients in the body we have enough reserve in our body so it allows you to tap into that and after a few days of that then you start combining foods which do not fight with each other mm-hmm. so you well, wouldn't that... have hot hot coffee with ice cream for example right. those foods are incompatible together so that's what i have laid out in my book well there's a there's a, there's another big piece that i think for our listeners to to be to get a benefit of your teaching here because you say that the given that hard physical labor is 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 gone from most of our lives the routine of of eating three full meals has remained but is no longer appropriate so um and and so part of what we're i mean so much of what we are struggling with is is too muchness and so yes. it, and and part of that too muchness is is that we basically have sim- simply not transitioned from mm-hmm. living the the energetic reality of our much more sedentary lives where we're not using up the calories and and burning the fats uh for the energy because we're just not doing that much physical stuff so yes uh, for our listeners i mean I'll, as i as i have to tell my clients they yes. when they say what what can you give me that'll make it better and i say well you can't get to less with more you know and they, yeah. the, a lot of my clients they think well if if i just take something more uh-huh. that then uh-huh. it will get better and what i have to say yes. is it's less that's is necessary and and, yes. and so what you're offering us is basically the uh-huh. the, the logic the, the very sensible logic of uh-huh. the, of of a step which you're calling the reset the yes. st- a, a series of steps that en- that enable us to go from fasting to mono diets and then we now we're now we're into in terms of food combining so there's yes. quite a lot in your book about food combining so maybe we should we should go there and, mm-hmm. and start to have you give us some your give us some of your guidance vis-a-vis mm-hmm. the top the top, that topic yeah so in food combining see normally when we eat imagine a dinner plate there is meat there is potato there is salad there is maybe a little bit of french fry on the side and so on it's a combination uh-huh. so the idea is in a meal we have to get our protein we have to get our carbohydrate we have to get our fat and fiber and everything okay so after a stretch of mono diet what happens is i'm asking people to separate the food groups uh-huh. have you meat a reasonable amount of it but don't mix it with ice cream have your meat but leave potatoes out of it so just go for one food group in a meal and then 6 hours later you have a small amount of another food group as a result what i'm observing and this is also based on the ayurvedic principle of simplifying what you eat and when you eat so that the food groups do not fight in your belly and they do not make an enormous amount of bloating and gas and constipation loose stool rumbling a bad smell from the mouth all that comes from a lot of impacted matter in our gi tract so monodiet allows you to flush those out 
sufficient intake of water allows you to flush those out and isolating food groups and eating one food group at a time allows your body to again extract complete nutrients from one food group in the end the person is a winner they go for this reset diet they come out recharged reinvigorated feeling better feeling more accomplished the symptoms are coming down so they they win all around and guess what they never felt starvation even for a day well of course that's what people worry about they think oh fasting that means i'm going to starve and of course exactly as you say that, that, that this really is not not the situation and so no. you 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 talk about also how industrial industrially produced foods themselves i mean and, and you talk about restaurant food and how restaurants basically are 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 designed to to satisfy our taste buds but not our health and you talk about industrial foods as being something that is less complete if in a very gross sense in terms of the the monoculture way that they're growing it and mm -hmm. and many so there there are many problems in the food delivery system itself so not only what yeah. we do as individuals and however uh -huh. careful we may be you're also uh -huh. reminding us that we're in a we're in a very um awkward period with regard to the world of food and and actually finding truly good food and of course yes. so but coming back to the specifics of the combining i think i want our listeners to not miss out on your guidance because i think that you are very specific about the business of the utilization of cuz i want them to know that you know that, that this book is really quite thorough in describing uh -huh. for instance when to use carbohydrates when to use proteins when how to how to absorb fats and how to think about fats so maybe you could start to talk about some of the details of the cuz i want to give our listeners a little taste of uh -huh. of those kinds of facts that you offer okay so in in a section in the fasting plan uh, when people start eating several different kinds of food groups but in different times i've organized in such a way that nuts and fruits are eaten first thing in the morning they give a nice burst of energy and they occupy very little digestive energy in our body but you get enough to get through the morning to come to your lunch time okay but you haven't loaded so much in your body that you you kind of falling asleep from it okay? <laughs> right it's, it's just a little bit of nuts and fruits to get going and then you accomplish the task you want to do in the morning uh, you will have enough energy nuts are high power food and they contain fat but that fat is not fighting with fruits it's a whole healthy fat present in the nuts okay and the people who have problems with the nuts they'll just stay with fruits so they're done with eating their fruits now they have the whole 6 hours till their lunch time and that is when they have grains and vegetables those two go very well together grains and vegetables <laughs> and in the in that you can always make a choice of whole grains if wheat doesn't work for you go for whole rice if rice is a problem for you go for quinoa go for go for millet and so on there are so many options to so grains and vegetables and again vegetables 
there is a way of eating vegetables it doesn't all have to be fried and boiled till it falls dead it can be alive uh-huh. it can be alive the food that you eat can be alive alive with nutrition the way you make it okay after that meal of the middle of the day in the night i'm giving an option for protein based meal because you eat like around 7 or 6 in the night you have all night to digest that protein and you're not putting anything on top of that so the food groups aren't in a battle in the belly each item has its own time to digest and move through the intestines and out okay so that is a big advantage of separating the various food groups now ask me a question you know we are in a difficult times when it comes to finding pure and natural food or finding seasonal food a lot of people have lost that knowledge so a simple way to go back to the basics would be to buy things they that actually look like it came from the soil you know when you look at a bag of potato chips on which tree did that grow you have to ask, <laughs> right okay? it, right. it is totally industrial food it's for the profit of the manufacturer it's not give you any benefit okay but you actually pick a potato from a farmers market to which some dirt is still attached and you smell that potato it's a healthy food there is nothing wrong in eating potatoes okay it's a healthy food but when you double fry it into french fry that's a no no so the idea is to go to the food which looks as close to natural as possible well that sounds like a sounds very for those of us who have the benefit of farmers markets of course but that's one of the great joys of of going to the farmers market is you you literally can see that the 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 food the farmers sometimes yes. you even see the animals <laughs> that go yes. with the farm yes. so it's yes. so you're you're really taking us back to the farmers market in a lot of ways in terms of uh-huh. and what i like about your book also you you it you make it so simple um and of huh. course part of what you say is that the at least as i read what you say you say that uh-huh. that a little bit that we're almost afraid of the simple we're so used to the stress high 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 strain life that we live that yes. that, that that a lot of times what we're doing is with our eating and with our all of our behaviors we're sort of mm-hmm. replicating the trouble that we have and and so you're giving us a a, a an a, an off ramp to a to an mm-hmm. overly stressed uh life that it, and now you coming back to fasting and water and and those mm-hmm. kinds of things now mm-hmm. you say that fasting is after all is deeply ingrained in in all the cultures of the world so fasting is not something that's some weird weird either new thing nor huh. is it something that is not been practiced by uh, uh, cultures for millennia so maybe you could take a t- give our histories our uh, our listeners a little bit of a taste of your understanding of the the of the truly ancientness and the uh-huh. the way the way you t- well I'll I'll let you tell the story please Yeah. So you know Ned, I have to give you a current story. I I love this part. Okay. okay. Uh, out in Costa Rica, we have dogs, two dogs 
and they are not a house dog i mean they're not allowed on the bed or on the couch or anything they live outside and they come okay. to the main house for their food meal time okay sure so sure. one particular dog he's 8 years old he's the size of the loaf of a bread he's that little mm-hmm. now one day a neighbor's big dog came and the two dogs got into a brawl who got the bite from the big dog my little dog he right. really got ripped okay badly injured so i was kind of treating this dog with homeopathic remedies for his trauma and also for injuries but i made an observation i saw what the dog was doing for three full days and nights the dog did not eat anything it just laid on a little piece of towel it looked to me with very forlorn eyes it allowed me to nurse it with remedies and so on but it did not eat it did not even take a sip of water how did the dog know to withhold food and water so that the the energy of his body can be directed towards healing the physical trauma how did the dog know so i i thought about it and i said you know what that dog its mother didn't teach it to fast it didn't go to a school to learn it didn't read my book so how did it know uh-huh. it knew by way of being itself it is not contaminated by the information around everybody so the dog knew to withhold food and water so that its body's healing energy can be directed toward recuperation three days later he accepted water and then gradually he started having milk and then gradually now he is back to regular meal that was like eye opener for me and why aren't we as human beings capable of doing what a little dog could do uh-huh. it's only because the food is all around us we are kind of swimming in a ocean of plenty which is of questionable quality many times and our knowledge of connecting with the original natural way of being is becoming lost so well, you yes go ahead so uh, then i also went back to my childhood i said what did my parents do they were fasting for a drop of a hat they were forever fasting from reason or the other they had many religious fasts you know on special occasions they'll be fasting so i saw that now what was the purpose that is the reset purpose you okay. withhold food for a brief period of time so that your body can cleanse itself and then you go back to food and then eventually to various food groups that is the idea that all old cultures have fasting the hunter gatherers they hunted and they feasted when they couldn't catch a animal they couldn't hunt they fasted when the things grew in plenty they ate and when they there was kind of low output in the natural world they ate less so all old cultures knew fasting we are the ones who have forgotten well you you mentioned in your book the uh, japanese researcher the cell biologist dr osumi Who, yes. got the no, who got the Nobel Prize in Physiology for discovering that during fasting cells simply turn on the 
I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it called autophagy? How is it that word pronounced? Autophagy. Autophagy. Well, tell, tell us about the autophagy gene, which is a part of what we're really talking about. Yeah. So what happens is um, in the process of growing, we have accumulated a lot of uh, junk in our body. Okay. It's, it, we all have it. Nobody can say they don't. Right. Now, when you allow yourself to undergo fasting and you are withholding the additional calories that you take in every day, but you're allowing enough water to enter your system, then what happens? The cells, you know, you're going to be alive. Two days of not eating food, nobody falls dead. They're going to be alive from it. Okay. So, what happened is food is withheld, but you're getting water. Now the body's thinking, hmm, there is no food. What am I going to do? I want to live a little bit more. So then what it does, it goes to the reserve. Uh -huh. It goes to the unwanted, uh, like internally accumulated old tissues, which are not serving us anymore. Uh -huh. But they're just sitting around because we never did the uh, hard work of cleaning our body inside out. So they're just sitting around. And then the body says, hmm, this is my opportunity. I'm going to reach out to those reserves, break them down, and extract the nutrients from it, extract the good parts from it, break it down really nicely, and expel it from the body. That is what happens. You know, the naturopathic community is very smart with the word, we are detoxing. So right. what is really happening? In the detoxing, what is really happening? This is what is happening. The body works on itself. The autophagy gene is turned on. Your body, in its own wisdom, knows which are the unwanted tissues, and it goes after them and kills them and extracts the nutrients. And your body still has a lot of energy from two days of just fasting. That's what happens. And that is so, the autophagy gene. Well, that's a, and it's, it's wonderful to, to imagine that, a, that a, a scientist could actually, uh, you know, pull together the, and get a Nobel Prize for understanding the, the deep meaning of what, of what you just shared with us. So, uh, so uh, Vasala, you've written a lot of books, and, and so you've, you've had a, 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 wide, uh, a wide history of, of being an, an author. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so for our listeners who maybe want to hear more of your, of your work or know more of your writings, Tell us where they can reach, or what, what your website is, or where they can reach out and hear more of your teaching, and, and also sure. something about your other books. Sure. I have, so um, I have written total 10 books, including this uh, Ayurvedic Reset Diet. And right. uh, my books are all available on the local bookstores in any town, on Barnes and & Nobles, and so on, and also, of course, on Amazon. So my books are always available in those sites. They're also available from my publisher's office, which is um, innertraditions.com. That mm -hmm. is the name of the publisher. It is a 43 or 44 years old uh, publishing company in the alternative universe, basically. Mm -hmm. Alternative uh -huh. health, religion, philosophy, culture, 
and meditation, yoga, you name it, they have it, new age book list. Uh-huh. And they carry all my books. And then my homeopathy site, uh, homeopathy.com that has a complete list of my publications uh, mm-hmm. in the sense that I have written various papers and cases and articles and essays. So they all have been listed in there. And uh, when people consult with me in homeopathy, then uh, as necessary, I also walk them through the simple process of how to make your relationship with food healthy again and how to reconnect with your inner spiritual being and use food as a vehicle for nurturing your own spiritual being. And in the process, the physical complaints become less and less. So I walk people through this process, and that's what I do, Ned. Right. So now for listeners who maybe would want to consult with you, do you consult with people online, or do, do you, or, or do we have to come to Costa Rica? Uh, well, you're very welcome to come to Costa Rica. But however, right now, because of Mr. COVID, everybody's doing online work, lot of people. So uh, my work is also a lot of it online and people consult me on Skype, on Zoom, on FaceTime, on good old cell phone. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes they also do an email consult. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So in various ways. See, the thing, Ned, is that when people set their mind into finding a healthier alternative, they are going to succeed because all those healthier alternatives are available. They just have to make up their mind. They have to create an intention and see how they'll find what works for them. Mm-hmm. Well, Vasala, you've done a splendid job for me in terms of this book, and you've given our, our an audience a, a very good, rich first taste of this book. It's called The Ayurvedic Reset Diet, Radiant Health Through Fasting, Mono Diet, and smart food combining. It's really a, a wonderful, wonderful book, and I'm very enthusiastic about it, and I'm so grateful you took the time for us today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ned. I hope your listeners and your patients will both benefit from it. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Okay. Thank you for joining us, and yeah. farewell for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.